It's 4 o'clock on a Monday. You know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! We are back. We are live. And we are here today with my dear friend, Ronan Chris Murphy. <laughs> and I'm so underdressed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a little overdressed. I have to go to a wedding after the show today. <laughs> All right, let me make sure that we are, in fact, broadcasting. You guys seeing us out there? Uh, sweet ass. Uh, sweet tie, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's not like all the way up there. But yeah, right after this, man, I am going to a wedding. Anyway, I'm, I'm delighted that my first live show in a while, uh, that we've got Ronan here because he's just like a big hit at the road rally every year. We always get great response when he's on the big show here. And I hope you guys behaved yourselves while I was out of town. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Good to see your virtual faces anyway. <laughs> um, John Pearson, Peter Rahill, Alan Hall, Ronnie Bear, uh, Dean Turner, Chris Anderson, Heidi, Chris Freeman, Stuart McClellan, Jesse J. Peck, uh, Piano, Laura, Andre. Andre, I saw you're coming to the rally this year. Yay. Okay. Anyway, so we are here. Um, and Ronan and I are going to talk about creating a great studio space in your home. Studio monitor placement, maybe some brand recommendations, although he gets very esoteric stuff that most of us <laughs> will never, ever buy. Um, backing up your files in case of disaster, and rumor has it he's had one recently. <laughs> um, what type of insurance you should have for your gear, and how a giant tree made Ronan a world-class expert on the last two bullet points, which are <laughs> insurance and backing up. Um, and then towards the end of the show, we're actually going to um, do some live Q&A. So that's the roadmap for today. Um, you know, should we... Yeah, let's start with the tree. You, you have a tree house. <laughs> yes, I have. So I have two houses now. <laughs> right. I started with one. I have two now. <laughs> so, if you had any giant trees fall in your home, uh, here for those of you who don't know, and I know that many of you do. And by the way, I want to say thank you, and I'm sure Ronan does as well. Absolutely. So many of you contributed to the GoFundMe thing, and I, I literally sent out that email and watched the numbers like almost double overnight so yeah you guys are pretty awesome hopefully we will never have to uh <laughs> help you rebuild a house after a tree falls on it but this whoops there we go that's what it looked like when it was alive and functional beautiful another shot of the studio <laughs> dun, 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 dun. oh you know what i wasn't going live with those sorry here we go Okay, that's what it looked like. And another shot of what it used to look like. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then this happened. <laughs> wow. Absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. And just to give you a little perspective on how big that tree was, there you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Almost right down the middle. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah, and it went over. The tree was big enough. It went through my house, across the vacant lot next to us, and into the house, like five feet from hitting the house beyond that. So it was about a hundred and sixty foot tree. I mean, I've got yeah. a couple of fifty foot uh, pine trees in our backyard. I can't even imagine something three times as large. Um, so you have toothpicks for life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, it was. Uh, you know, it was obviously a 
pretty dramatic thing. I I was actually I was in the house. People are like, oh, thank God you weren't in there. I'm like, eh, I was in there. I was brushing my teeth. So, but but wow. had it happened literally like four minutes before that night. This happened at like one in the morning. Kind of everywhere I was before that got completely clobbered by the tree. And um, but thankfully I was back brushing my teeth in a in a part of the house that didn't cave in because the whole front of the house you can't well you can sort of see it just caved in but no I got really lucky but um, did you hear like a cracking sound did you have any warning or was your first warning when it hit no well the crazy thing was people thought oh it must have been such a huge loud thing but really what happened was we'd had like um, for don't know we're like in the mountains north of Los Angeles yeah and we had about five feet of snow on our property that that week and then we had two warm days with rain and you know above freezing temperatures and then we had 65 mile an hour winds so we had this kind of greatest hits collection <laughs> but no the thing was I was brushing my teeth and we have a, a huge CD collection and a couple thousand CDs and I I thought I heard one of those fall over. I brushed my teeth and I thought, oh, crap, what a pain in the neck because <laughs> they're all alphabetized. It's going to take oh, us like man. more than a day to put those back together. And then I just started hearing. <laughs> so I think what happened was it came down and just sort of flopped onto the house. Yeah. And then the weight of it just went through, which is great because I probably would have been dead if it went down fast because it would have blown out the framing and everything in the house. Wow. But um, but it came down just this crunching sound and it was kind of crazy. But no, it's but the the community the support we got from the community was amazing so many people from taxi kind of reached out with both kind of good wishes and the gofundme you yeah. know it was amazing because you know the great thing and i don't mind being public about this because people gave us real dollars so yeah. <laughs> but you know with the insurance you know there's parts of it were covered but just in the weird insurance that we had in this kind of high risk area tree removal and eventual demolition of the house and all that kind of stuff not covered if by any of it. If you don't mind me asking, how much does it cost to remove a 160-foot tree? Uh, about $6,500. Wow. <laughs> and then there's going to be tens of thousands of dollars on the other stuff. So it was one of those things where, you know, just people kind of stepped up. It was amazing. Like well, The support uh, we got was just out of this you're world. You're really well-liked, in case you haven't heard. I mean, if I've I never any, heard anybody say anything If I had any doubts, but no, it was, like, it was amazing. Like, again, again, so many people from that become, like, friends and stuff from the taxi community. And right. even just so many people like, oh, man, we, we've never really met, but, you know, I, I've seen you do your thing at taxi, and it really helped me a lot. So here's 10 bucks to help you back. And that all of those things just made such a huge impact because again this is a pretty crappy thing to happen um, but you know the, the kind of support that we got from the taxi community and some other communities we're part of was just really turned this thing from like oh my god this is absolute devastation to and eh, we got work to do you know it's it's that kind of support really transformed it from being just absolutely devastating to and eh, we got crap to deal with all right every, everybody's got crap to deal with here's ours so yeah, yeah we we'll, I mean, we're so grateful like we're, we were talking about you know before we started the show you're looking at a couple of years to get back to normal yeah i guess the good part is little excitement you know building something new yeah <laughs> um so let's talk about that you're gonna be building a new studio from scratch and, and just so you know they're actually renting another place that's nearby from a neighbor who yep. um, had just mentioned to ronan gee i wish i could rent my place to somebody <laughs> but it would have to be somebody i know because yep. there's some personal stuff in here so but, you're building a new studio from scratch you're building yeah. an interim studio in the place you're renting yes so I know you loved your old room. Yes, um, I mean we we bought that building because of that room. 
So were there things, how many years did you have that studio set up? Six, just over six years. So were there things that you discovered that you thought, oh man, I wish I'd done it like this, but now it's done and it's a pain in the butt and I'd have to go back and tweak a little? Or, or was it like... It was a remarkable room. It okay, really was. So, so uh, you I, didn't have any stuff like, well, I get a chance to do it better this time? Yeah, it was a remarkable room. Okay. And I get, well, luckily, we're in a good good situation now. Um, you know, that's it's working out really well. But again, we bought that. Like, literally, we've been looking at different places all over the country, potentially to buy a little bit outside of L.A. Yeah. And I remember on, on Zillow or something, I remember saw this. I saw that room, and I remember showing it to Liz going, this place studio because um, it was amazing because it had no first reflection zones because it was called a gambrel house and you can sort of see it in the photo but right it's sort of like like somewhere between a regular house and an a-frame yeah so pretty much sound goes out from the speakers disperses down into the floors um, uh -huh. and even angle there angle there it was I think 37 feet to the back wall and it was essentially kind of a loft so there's a big hole in the middle so there was so much room for low-end to, um, to, to dissipate. That, wow. And, you know, I actually owned a whole bunch of acoustic treatments, and, you know, I could get some custom built, but I went in and set up speakers and everything, and it was like, it's done. Yeah. So I actually had acoustic panels and stuff in storage. <laughs> so, but it's like one of those things like, there's nothing to do here. Um, uh, and almost thought, well, God, I should put something up because people will think this high-end mastering engineer didn't even bother to treat his room, but it just didn't need it. Um, I want to go back and look at the room so, from there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next one is really the one that I'll show you. Um, All right. Yeah. So I had, you know, from my listening position, like 32 feet to the back room. Over on the left-hand side, you can see the big stairwell down there. Right. And no first reflection zone. So it was pretty remarkable wow um the new room what's that roof style gimbal gambrel gambrel g-a-m-b-r-o-l e-l gambrel and wow. up 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 in that area they, they were almost like a kit house you so you see a ton of them up uh it's in a town called pine mountain club about 90 minutes yeah northwest of here but uh yeah and you see a bunch of those around but uh, yeah, we saw. I essentially saw that room on Zillow. It said, "You know, I'll take it." Yeah, this will be an amazing studio. And what kind of monitors are those big, giant? They're the, mastering monitors. Yes. So it. they were from a company called FAR Fundamental Acoustic Research, out of Belgium. So those were you know, custom made. Uh, the company and the owner are both dead. Um, so yeah, tiny little company that's was he squished under the tree? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, did they they got destroyed? Well, they didn't. They didn't totally get destroyed, but the exposure to elements and those each are like over three hundred pounds each. Yeah, and all access to them got destroyed. So uh, we couldn't. So basically, there's huge hole in the middle and rain and stuff coming down. We literally to get those out would have had to like bring in back hose and stuff. Right. Um, and well, basically, they looked intact, but they would have yeah. not been functional. Yeah, and because they basically, in best of conditions, both times they were moved to different studios, were were damaged by professional moving crews, <laughs> moving them in good scenarios. Now, because there was once the tree came down, there was no stair access, so everything I was able to save, actually, a, a, some went out that hole that you see there. That's how right. a bunch of my, bunch of the gear went out, and also out another window and off. A, at back deck so yeah there was no stair access so everything and actually god bless everyone who helped but we um 
some of the gear kind of survived the tree, but not necessarily the helpful <laughs> neighbors who helped move it. So there was, again, God bless them all. But yeah, some of the gear actually got damaged, you know, getting it out. Right. <laughs> and things like that. So it's all it, good. But And your clothes and your life and your photos. I mean, you know, yeah. you've never mentioned that because you're so addicted to your studio yeah, stuff. But exactly. It's your life. I yeah. mean, I remember during the Northridge earthquake, uh, our apartment got destroyed. It got red tagged and we had to move out. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we could salvage was sheets, towels, T-shirts, and underwear. If, yep. if it was hard, it was crushed yep. and destroyed. Yeah. And so, you don't realize how upsetting that is to yeah. have your world like one minute you got yeah. it and the next minute you don't so we were lucky because where most of our clothes are that and that was saved um a few other things so basically stuff some stuff in the very back of the house we saved but other stuff the kitchen where we stored a lot of music stuff uh, you know uh, my keyboard collection gone oh, <laughs> um, things like that but you know we did you have a b3 um, no, no. I, I had, uh, you can sort of see there's a Lowry organ in there and that next, um, uh, so I had a, the big thing of gear, yeah, you can oh, see right. an organ yeah. up there, but what you can't see is, um, that there's a, uh, um, well, yeah, you can, I was in that chair earlier in the evening, but so in the my lower fender left, row, lower yeah. left quadrant, yeah. there's a chair. I yeah, can but, see it, yeah. but my, my fender of all the gear that I lost, I had a beautiful fender Rhodes oh, 88 no. key suitcase model from the seventies. Uh -oh. Gorgeous. And that's, that took a direct hit, but you know, but one of the things that I, I kind of want to talk about, cause it's super important to me and just can transform people's lives is the things that made me not freak out. Obviously, you know, this happened at one in the morning. I went and banged on my neighbor's door and they let me in. And, and I'm thinking they're going, my whole life is different. From this point forward, my whole life is transformed. I thought we'd lost everything in the but house. You know what? On a material level, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And on an emotional level, yes. But, you know, you didn't lose a limb. You didn't lose yeah, your correct. life. You didn't lose Liz. Thank God. Absolutely. You know, so, but all things considered. The, the two things that really kind of helped was, one, the first thing is like, Thank God I'm an obsessive cloner of hard drives. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things where... Good band name, by the way. Exactly. Obsessive cloners. <laughs> exactly. But, but this, and if people joining in today take nothing away from today, clone your hard drives, clone your hard drives, and clone your hard drives. It's, it's literally transformative of my life. Because I'm sitting there just going, okay, my house just got destroyed. I've just got lost all of this. But I've got so many hard drives. I've got clients' projects from the last... 20 years i've got family photos i've got contracts i've got you know you know business negotiations all of this and i'm like <gasps> but for me the one thing that made this like okay we'll get through this is that i clone and i keep off-site drives yeah so you know i've got um you know I've, I've got a place over in italy and i've got a few big hard drives there that have my most important client uh, files. We've got most important photos and personal business stuff. So, do you bring a drive with you over there and then dump it on the drive mm -hmm. there and then bring the other one back to the states? Yeah, after or, you've done or the transfer? I mean, I use a program called Carbon Copy Cloner, right. and so like my like my main client drive. You know, I can bring bring a clone of that, which of course I have multiple clones <laughs> here in California. So I can bring that over, one of those over, even just the clone to Italy when I go there in a month or so, and then clone that back to my Italian copy and then bring it back. And I also just buy big drives and I've got a friend who lives outside of Chicago and I'll, you know, hey, can I have like 
this much space in one of your closets. Yeah. And down in his basement. So I hadn't done... I feel like I have to make a Hillary Clinton joke, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Not servers, just the drives. So, but, but that thing of having those off-site things, because I hadn't created an off-site clone in... Since I'd gotten back from Italy, which was maybe a little over a month ago, before. Right, so, before the but incident. But in worst case scenario, I was out like a month or five weeks of my life. Yeah. So it's like, okay, there's ways How to figure that out. How long did it take you to have that realization? Like from the moment that the house got squished and you went and knocked on your neighbor's door. It was one of the first things I'm thinking about. Like literally in the first Again, few minutes. Be, yeah, because, I mean, not only is data stuff like old family photos that I had scanned and all of that. But data is my client's work. You yeah. know, it's that sort of thing. Hey, we've been working on this stuff off and, off and on for a few months now or something like that. And it's heartbreaking to me how yeah, many they, people I see that like, oh man, my hard drive just died. You know, and I've been working on my album for the last year and a half. I mean, and, and you dead. can buy a two terabyte drive now for like 60 bucks. Yes, you know? absolutely. I, mean, I could understand back when they were a thousand, two thousand dollars they were the size of a shoebox and yes. they weighed 12 pounds. You could, you know, that was a little inconvenient. But yeah, you can buy something now that's like the size of your phone. For literally, 30, literally. Yeah, for yes. 50, 60 dollars to yeah. two terabytes. And the really important thing is, you know, you can just do straight copies, but there's other ways to do it. Apple Time Machine and different ways. But I use something called carbon copy cloner. So like if I've done some important work and I want to update my clone, mm, six minutes. Yeah. So it's not like because the old it, days where you have to recopy the whole thing. And right. It's just looking, uh, it's smart cloning. Yeah. And when I'm working on something, like if I'm working on a big video game or a big film score, and we've got like union musicians out there, yeah. you know, it's sort of like, okay, you, it's union break for five minutes. I'm cloning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cloning in that union break because hard drives die. That's just what they do. They will all die. And if I've, you know, if I've done that. You get union musicians up where you live? No, not, no, oh. not, not in my place. But no, if I'm, you know, working in right. the village or something like that. Um, you know, it's so critical. And it's one of those things where, you know, it always, it's a bummer to go and pay another hundred bucks to get some more hard drives. But the peace of mind that comes with that is just, it cannot be overstated. Again, just from anything from like the scanned photos of, you know, your grandparents that, right. you, you know, people lose those memories. You know, they don't have the same thing, commercial value of my client's project that we've been working on. But, oh, that was the one photos Not we had mention, of my grandparents. Yeah. Potentially lawsuits. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you didn't make best effort to protect that stuff absolutely. and it got wiped, yep. you'd be liable. Yeah. And, and luckily for me, you know, I had just done some cloning and I actually had some clones in the front, like my main operating system, you know, I had some in the front of the house and some in the back. Yeah. And the ones at the back of the house survived, the ones in the front were destroyed. So I'd even had different places in that, and that was just dumb luck. That wasn't intentionally that I'd spread them out. Yeah. That was dumb luck, but but hey, again, I- luck can work in your yeah. favor, you know? And the other thing that sort of like gave me some relief is, you know, as a pro, I've got pretty good investments into my audio equipment. Right. Everything from guitars and keyboards to mic preamps and mics. And one of the mistakes that a lot of people make were like mine. So the place we had, we technically still own it, um, but the whole top floor was the studio. Now you just own a slab. Now we own two of them, actually. It's Now we own two houses. But the whole top floor was my studio. Yeah. The whole bottom floor was residence. And so we own the building. So we had a homeowner's policy, but a lot of people have a homeowner's policy or a renter policy. And they think, oh, it's good. I've got all these keyboards. I've got this, you know, cool sample library and keyboard I do for my taxi listings. But 
you need to be super careful about your your insurance because most homeowners or renters policies will not cover professional tools. I mean, the same thing is, you know, for me, it's guitars what and What about if it's a hobbyist tool? What about if you've got... A hobby, a hobby generally, yes. But um, with you, they could tell it was more than a hobby. Yeah, but, you know, and it'd be the same for a sewing machine, you know, if I had a business where I sewed people's curtains or something. Right. That's professional equipment. And most homeowners or renter policies do not cover professional business equipment. Because they want you to buy a business insurance Yeah, policy. and so yeah. one of the things, too, that I was like... Oh, okay. So I've got, you know, I've made some mistakes with my policy in terms of updating it and stuff. But, you know, I've got like $70,000, $80,000 worth, worth, of, of, stuff, worth what, of stuff. What was the most expensive single thing that you lost? And don't cry on the show, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, those speakers. Yeah. Those speakers, yeah. So, and one of the things, and this is the bummer, and I'm, I'm going to be upfront and honest, so hope people can lose from my mistakes. One of the things with your professional equipment insurance, and, and truth is, again, if you do sewing or whatever, yeah. you know, think what we're talking about applies to that too. Yeah. You know, or pa your painting tools. But one of the really important things that I didn't do is, you know, my thing would come up for renewal. And I've been paying it for 20-something years. Uh, I know where you're going with this. Not watching to see what the market does. Right. So, again, I've mentioned before, I had this beautiful Fender Rhodes, um, 88-key power amp, you know, with the, with so the speakers, the whole the deal. Value? And when I first did it, you know, and those are very cyclical kind of things. And when I first did it, like, oh, they're going for like 1200 bucks on the used market. Let me put 1200 bucks. They're going for like six grand on the used market now because... It's a volatile market. So a lot of even cool like digital outboard and stuff like that, really volatile markets. And so- What was the most, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I hadn't really updated that. I'm like, you know, do you want to renew? Yeah, 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 just whatever, you've got the list. Right. Versus every year coming around going, okay, let's see if that's gone up or down. Even some stuff like, oh yeah, some digital gear, like, wow, that's worth like three cents now. No reason to keep that insured for $600 and pay that, pay that premium. But that was a few things. There was a few things that, you know, the market had changed significantly since I did the original numbers. So, like, it's the difference of, like, yeah, I lost, like, $5,000 from one keyboard because I, you know, I was a dummy and um, didn't do What was your the... most cherished microphone that you lost? Mm, Tell well, me you didn't have, like, a 251 from no, 1960. No, no. Well, thankfully, I'm, um, the... Uh, one that got beat up pretty bad. Didn't lose it, but I got... It's because a lot of stuff, too, like, got beat up. Right. But, you know, a, a, per, a Perlman TM-1, which is a kind of modern build of a, uh, a U47. Yeah. And that, that took a beating, but thankfully, Perlman Microphones, who's the guy, Dave Perlman, yeah. he took it and he kind of totally yeah, refurbished it for me. he was at the road rally. Oh, he was. Yes, yeah. I ran into him. Dave is amazing. And, you know... I met I him for love, a minute. I got to hang out with that guy. I love his mics. And he totally, like... Took care of it and rebuilt it and uh, and sent it back new and gorgeous. So that, and again, I'm fanatical about Shure KSM 32s, even yeah. though they're not expensive. One of them I lost. One, you know, depending on where things were in the studio. Right. Some were like, oh, that's fine. Oh, that's completely destroyed. How about guitars or amps? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, my, I've had a four Mesa Boogie 412 yeah. um, for years. It's been like my main amp for studio for 25 30 years 
direct hit. (laughs) You can, if you go in the kitchen and look, you can sort of see its feet coming down through there. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but, but I had, my guitars got pretty beat up, but. uh, Did they uh, get affected by the weather, you know, post crash? Well, what, uh, where I lost a lot of stuff and, and it's a lot of it we'll even know, but you know, the roof came in and then, you know, it was raining and snowing. Right. So, like, I had a bunch of, like, guitar pedals and stuff out that, you know, just got rained and snowed on. So a bunch of my gear got rained and snowed on. I had I had a nice Royer mic. Royer, again, was fixed it up really nice. Uh, so, yeah, so a bunch of that stuff. And, yeah, weather, weather ended up really, even some of it, like, once the house gets pulled apart, could probably even go and grab some stuff. But it's all just been exposed to rain and snow for so long that it'll, it'll all right. be goners. And now they've probably got raccoons living in, like, you know, speaker cabins <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But, again, we did have bears did take over the house. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there was a bear. shot, which I didn't put you know, load in the show today, yeah. but there was a shot with a bear on top of the tree, like, looking for food in the house. <laughs> but, yeah, the bears came in, and they actually started to kind of take that over as a hangout. So we actually had to board up part of the house wow. um, to keep the bears out because they were getting really comfortable. Like, they had a nice shelter with food and stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah. They were jamming. Yeah, exactly. The, what was the band... Uh, uh, there's like a there's that one in Disney, right? Yes, my my, my brother sent a joke about that. And oh, I forgot okay, their yeah, name, but yes, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so yes. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, you know, it's funny. Every year at the road rally, we've got Music Pro Insurance yep. there, and they are not sponsoring this. I'm not plugging it because they paid anything. But I, I wonder how many people take this stuff seriously, and you and most people probably think like I've been guilty of in my lifetime, which is statistically, what are the odds? That you're ever going to mm-hmm. need it, you know. But from what I understand, I was talking to the lady that um, basically is like the GM of Music Pro, and she said people are often shocked when they find out how inexpensive it yeah. is. Yeah. And for the one time you need it, being case yeah. in point, sitting right well, next to me. And, and here's the part for me, and I assume they're the same because I actually, um, uh, you know, mine's coming up, and I look, looked at Music Pro, and yeah. I'm, I've been with another company, but Music Pro actually just looked like they're actually better, like price-wise. Right. So I'm actually going to do some more comparisons. But what I had was called an inland marine policy, super important for pro musicians. And I would imagine Music Pro is the same. You can check with them. Why do they call it inland marine? Well, basically, if I had a mic preamp and I was on a canoe <laughs> going up a river in China, yeah. and the and the canoe went over, and I lost my mic pre at the bottom so of the river. So basically, it covers anything under any circumstances. Yes, uh-huh. And again, for a gigging musician, that's the thing. You you right. bring, you know, yes, that's another thing, too. Why Even if you do happen to have, like, a homeowner's or renter that, like, oh, covers the contents of your house. Well, you pick up your gig and your Fender Twin, you go out and play a club, and then somebody steals your stuff. Yeah, we all know crash. that guy who unloaded the van, turned yeah. around to light a cigarette, and exactly. came back, and the, and the and so guitar a, is gone. Yeah, so yeah. a good professional equipment policy will do that. And that's the thing, too, where I, I do a lot of international work, where I'm all of a sudden I've got a rack with $2,000 mic preamps and stuff in there. And uh, and it's even things like, I'll even, I remember once I was looking out a window, I had a rack full of like, tube gear and stuff like that and i just saw like it you know them bringing the things and literally just throwing it in the air and dropping it it's like why exert the loading it onto the plane why exert the effort to throw it in the air and have it drop but again the thing that made because they're a-holes that's why (laughs) but and the thing that made me go (sighs) okay 
I have this covered under professional equipment policy. So if that is, I mean, of course, I we'd go after the airline, but yeah. it's that thing where I know I've got that covered because I have this policy that covers my professional tools, um, you know, throughout the world. And I think that's really important, even whether would they even cover? And you may not know this about the policy, but let's say you were going to Spain to make a record, yes. and you were shipping a rack, and the rack got lost or destroyed in transit. Would they also not cover the, just the replacement, but a rental while you get to your destination? Because that would be important. I'd call Music Pro and ask them that question. Because okay. I don't want to speak for right. what their policies are. So, yeah, I've, um, I actually don't know that. <laughs> so You know, um, I will introduce you to the lady who runs Music yeah. Pro. You guys should do a little, like a, a class at the road. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Because um, this is Cause again, boring stuff. Because this sounds boring. I mean, I, I know it's more fun to talk about how to make a snare drum go boom or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, this whole business about, and it's not, and I've been a little, I've been into this before, you know, disaster struck. But this whole business about like cloning and having insurance and stuff is just so vital because just because it's heartbreaking how many people I've seen like lose like a year of their life or two years yeah, well, of their that, life. And that's somewhat common. A tree falling on your house, not as yeah. common. <laughs> um, right. So in the photos, I'm going to go back to the photos for a minute. Um, you had, oh, wrong photo, these big, beautiful monitors yep. um, that cost a fortune. They're like half the size of a pickup truck. Yep. Um, so you do mastering and you do mixing and occasionally mm -hmm. even recording. Yes. How is it that you've been able to build a room that serves all of those use cases, all that functionality in one room? Because I've known mastering engineers. Yeah. It's a whole different thing it, to build it, a it mastering is. room. Yeah. So how did you accomplish the, the goal of building a room where you can master stuff and mix in there as well. And, and I can't even see what monitors did you use for like, your, oh, NS10s? There's NS10s there. And, and yeah. what do you mix on? Well, mostly the NS10s. Okay. And so part of that, and now I'm addressing this too, because I'm, you know, I'm in a new space kind of building out a studio, but I don't own the place. So I'm not going to build right. walls and tear out walls and stuff like that. But one of the things that allows me to do this is kind of, trying to optimize certain spaces so again there um and it actually changed a bit where that old picture doesn't show you i where i actually had was i had the ns10s actually eventually ended up them closer to me so i'd mix on ns10s in in the near field right uh and then so i've had that hat on and then when i'm mastering i would master on the larger mastering speakers and of course i'm always bouncing back and forth but in terms of their primary roles so i'd have more of a traditional near field ns10 thing and then switching out to a, a far field kind of situation. So, um, and also I ended up actually finding a place to settle, but one of the things too with that original setup is where you could see the, the NS10s were on the same plane, yeah. kind of as the big ones. Um, what I have there, that chair, what I work on a rolling uh, table. Ah. So, so I actually would move, so I'd actually move the table up and mix on the NS10s uh, and then when it's time to master, I would actually no, go you, to you different... probably took out a laser tape measure <laughs> to make sure that you had. I just dimensions. ordered a new laser tape measure from Amazon yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, but then, so I, what I would get is I'd have the advantage of different set of speakers, but also different point in the room. Right. Because, and this is something I've been running test tones for the last two weeks on stuff uh, to really, you know, dial in the new room. 
Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where, and this is something. What that, do they use now? White noise, pink noise? Or, sweeps. Really? At least the way I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. But this is a really cool thing because, you know, yes, in a perfect world, you know, people doing a taxi listing, whatever, could, you know, hire one person, one guy to mix it, send it out to another gal for mastering and all that. But that's not the real world. So, so many people have to do their own thing. And one of the really cool things to do is, you know, when you sort of change from your mixing engineer hat to your mastering engineer hat, when you have to do it all yourself, is to look at being able to change your setup. Like, you know, monitor from a different place going, okay, my chair is here when I'm a mixing engineer. My chair is here when I'm a mastering engineer. Um, and preferably being able to switch to a couple different sets of speakers and they don't have to be crazy expensive. Yeah, You've got your best speakers that you worked on, but then it could be some, you know, some small Apple <laughs> computer monitors or some hi-fi or something to give you that different perspective. Because right. one of the advantages of working with an outside mastering engineer is you've got somebody else listening to your stuff Right, because you're too close to it, you lose your objectivity. Yeah, but yeah. even but even just you know the physical objectivity is you mixed it in a room that had its own unique set of problems right. on speakers that had their own unique set of problems. So now you take it to a mastering engineer, which will hopefully have less of those problems, but he or she will still be working on a set of speakers that have their own unique set of problems right. in a different room. So having that because it's pretty amazing when I'm doing room analysis I'm doing it on my own now but also I do it for other consulting clients but you will find things where all of a sudden where you your listening position you might have a dip of 30 40 DB yeah at a certain frequency just based on the physics of your room and so you're working here all of a sudden and then you're thinking your work is brilliant it's amazing mm -hmm. and then why does everybody tell me that the bass is so insane they can't even hear the vocal. It sounds perfect. Right. It's like, well, because maybe in your spot you have a 40 dB <laughs> cut, <laughs> you know, dip. Have you actually seen organic, naturally occurring cuts of that many? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's mind doesn't surprise me. I, I would have thought that 10 would be like the max. Oh, God, no. 10, 10 is where you go around and high five your buddies because your room really? kicks so much ass. Wow. So here's here's something that I want. Well, I'm going to say I want everybody to do it, but you're gonna, I'm going to tell you to do it, and then you're going to be sad. But it's important to understand. Okay. So whatever DAW you're using, Pro Tools or Logic, whatever, they all have a, a, a tone generator right. or signal generator. And you can generate a sine wave. Just doot. go in and set that for... 70 hertz okay and just have that go not crazy loud and then move a mic around the room to see just move you around the room yeah yes. oh just leave the mic stationary but move your don't, body you don't need a mic for this oh you're just playing 70 okay. you know seven, 70 hertz out of your speakers and walk around your room or move your chair around yeah. and get ready to have your heart broken um, and so not only do that but go around different places but also stand up duck down Look at the monitors on my yeah. desk. I've got a pair of Yamaha, I forget what they're called. They're yeah. not NS10s. I've got NS10s behind mm -hmm. me. Uh, anyway, but notice I put them up in these stands and I optimize them for my elbows to be right here mm -hmm. as if I'm sitting yeah. at a console. But yeah. if you move six inches higher, lower, left, yeah. or right, you lose the beauty of the monitor. Yeah. So I but, totally believe but it. But anybody who's like in a spare bedroom, yeah, that kind of situation, you know, you're going to notice radical stuff. You're going to notice that like that frequency like gets super loud at some points and almost disappears. Yeah. So do that. Walk around and hear where those problems are and then 
change to a different frequency, go up to 80, 80 hertz, <laughs> and then walk around and do the same so thing. You're basically going to create heartbreak for yourself. Yes. And you're going to find that there's nowhere in the room that's really good for most frequencies. Right. But you'll see, you'll find those where things get really loud or where they get almost disappear. How do you different solve spots. that problem? Acoustic treatment. And that's why a lot of people will say, you know, why so many people who do studio design and consulting go about like, okay, let's talk about acoustic treatment. Let's talk about acoustic treatment. Because what's happening is all those frequencies are sort of bouncing around in the room and blending back with themselves. Yeah. You know, and so sometimes it's positive, positive, and they're boosting. But sometimes a negative version of itself and a positive version of itself are meeting in the same spot. And it, and it would all depend on the music you're playing, too. The, the yeah. key, you know, mm -hmm. and the instrumentation. And so what acoustic treatment does, it basically absorbs energy. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the sound comes to the back wall or out to the side walls, it hits this stuff made from fiberglass or other type things. And that energy, when the sound goes through that, loses energy. And then when it comes back, back and meets itself, um, all of a sudden, it's there's less interaction. So that's one of the advantages of all that. And that's why a lot of times, like the cheap little foam stuff doesn't do anything. It's yeah. high frequencies only, but not much else. Oralex is only good for voiceover booths, and it's not even great for that. Yeah, and it just, it'll, it'll cut Sorry, down Oralex. a little slap and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, the kind of things is where you... It can, if you do it right, it can make significant differences. And yeah. it's it's the ideal first solution to uh, to fixing acoustic problems rather than going into digital tools to, um, you know, tune your room digitally. I'm not going to rule those out, but those are sort of your like, okay, we've done as much as we can. And um, but it's if you are handy at all with tools which i'm not i'm terrible at that kind of stuff so I'm that's like, surprising I, I would have thought you would be. I, I i like to pretend i'm that guy but no i was just messed up i'm really handy at you know finding buddies who are good at that and going all right i got a six pack of really good beer and you know <laughs> 50 bucks for you if you bring your, your wow, power tools I over need friends like that but but you know you can just online look for i mean i a lot of my stuff is made by a company called la sound panels who okay. actually does great work and is stuff. that a guy named steve klein no, it's no, a different okay. one. But um, but if you look online for DIY acoustic panels, yeah. things with mineral wool or high-density fiberglass, if you're handy at all, you can build that stuff for not that much money. Right. Like, and transform it. And really, I would have, you know, if somebody has, like, my room, my room sounds like garbage, and if they have pretty good speakers already, then I wouldn't say spend more money on speakers. Right. I would say spend money on acoustic treatment because when you do that, the level of your speakers is just going to jump up and you wouldn't even notice the benefit of better speakers as much. Let's talk about bass buildup. The biggest mistake I see, I've seen this for decades now, friends of mine that will go out and buy a pair of NS10s, they're so proud they've got them, mm -hmm. and they will put them on a desk up against a wall mm -hmm. in a 10 by 12 sheetrock room and then they wonder why there's so much bottom end. Well, for yeah. one thing, if you've got a 90 degree angle that, and you're, you've got underneath the desk is yep. building up base, and you've got 90 degree corners and parallel walls, parallel ceiling and floor, the base buildup is ridiculous. And they wonder why when they take their mixes out of the room that it's, it's so base deficient. Yeah. Well, it's because you're, no, I can't use that. I can't say it. it's a family show. Yeah. Anyway, yes, you're fooling yourself. Well, but part um, of it too, something so, like an NS10 actually even, 
you know, rolls they roll off about 75, 72 hertz. Yeah. So if you if you're doing like EDM or things like that, or even just regular rock and roll, they're not telling you what's going on there. So right. you might even go, okay, I got the low end juice and cranking up a low end EQ, and you're thinking, all right, that's groovy, but you're not even hearing that. Right. It that, doesn't that crazy right, thing doesn't exist so, in that. Speaker. So you've got that combination. But but one thing too, and again, this is easier once you start using objective analysis tools, like when I'm doing, you know, working on consulting on rooms, it's amazing how much moving your speakers six inches yeah. um, can can change. So can you give like, us some simple radically. bullet points on the average person who drops 500 to $1,000 mm. on their monitors, yep. they're working out of a 10 foot by 12 foot bedroom uh, on a regular table or maybe even a, a nice, you know, uh, studio desk mm -hmm. uh, like the output desk is yep. a pretty nice one what are the three four or five things the the rules the bullet points that they should follow well i don't know the rules but one is generally um if you can actually physically get your speakers off of a desk helps i mean right this one you've got such a deep one deep desk here that doesn't make as much sense but uh you know on stands on stands yeah. behind where you work so mine are completely disconnected because what happens with when if things are sitting on a table, yeah. uh, even just like, oh yeah, and some phone books, that low energy goes down and it actually starts resonating. Personal transmission, right? This, this turns yeah. into a giant speaker. Yeah. Uh, also, when it's right there, I mean, we. I'm only laughing because up until when I got these really nice stands, <laughs> yes, my speakers were on Robin Frederick's books. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I get it. and I, I sadly just spent thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars on a pair of stands for wow. for my new high end mastering speakers. Um, wow, but. You know, we've all done it too, that the meter bridge of the console, yeah. we've all mixed a million records that way and some of them turned out pretty darn good. But, you know, right there, you've got that large surface just reflecting sounds, which is creating weird phase interactions. But but in terms of the, here's, but I'm digressing. Let's get back to home studio people. Right. What can you do? Um, one is generally, if you can put them on stands versus on the table you're working on. And they don't have to be $1,300. No, no. I, the ones that we're ridiculous. looking at here. Uh, I'm not going to move my camera. It'll no. screw up my green screen. But <laughs> these are, are shaped like the letter C, but flat on top and bottom with a slight angle. So the speakers are slightly towed down, and I angled them in. I haven't done the measurement because I can't put them where they mm -hmm. need to be because I wouldn't be able to see people sitting at my yep. desk. However, um, these were, I want to say, like 125 bucks mm -hmm. for the pair, and yep. they're built like a tank. Yeah. And they've got nice rubber isolators underneath yep. and underneath the monitors. Speaking so. of isolators, there's a, not too much, I don't make any money, but there's a company called Isoacoustics. Oh, yeah. And they make these basically absorbers yep. that are like 65 to 100 bucks or so. Um, amazing. Yeah. And again, I have no vested interest in anybody caring, but it's one <laughs> of those things like for 100 bucks where not always, because I've tested them in a lot of rooms, and sometimes like, yeah, maybe, but there's others where it's night and day. Yeah. Like the trends, you know, uh, the change in terms of improvement of clarity and detail and width is just jaw dropping. And I'm, and there's some others too where that's been pretty good, but the isoacoustic ones for like a hundred bucks, like huge transformation. Yeah. Especially in a situation where you maybe do have to be on a table where you're going to have that kind of transmission. So, but the one thing too is experiment with placement. Right. That's a huge thing. Height. 
by the way. Hey. So many people don't think about having things at ear level, mm. number mm. one. And number two, if you'll notice, you guys can't see this, but I've got my woofers on the inside because mm -hmm. bass is usually usually a mono thing. You know, you mm -hmm. want it somewhat, yeah. it's a very non-directional yeah. thing, yep. but you want it down the middle most of the time. And you want the stereo spread and the imaging mm -hmm. on the outside. So woofers in the middle, tweeters on the outside, and it breaks my heart when I see people take a pair, even though I've got my NS10 mm -hmm. set up like that here, where you, you stand them up on end, like two shoeboxes standing on their end, and they're not anywhere near the height of your ears. Yep. It's like, they're gonna sound like this. <laughs> so there, there's two things, and one one to be in total agreement. Yeah. But yeah, it's always kind of like, I'll see people like just have the speakers sitting on their desk and like, you know, you know, maybe this is a good you know bass frequency absorber here. <laughs> but it's like, even if it is Rob, you know, Buy, buy Robin Frederick's books. Obviously, they make for great speaker stands. So buy a bunch of her books. Um, Sorry, Robin. No, but um, um, uh, no, but height height is really important. But the one thing I'd say in terms of where that height is, and also orientation of the um, the tweeters. Yeah. Check the manufacturer's um, guidance on that, uh, because sometimes, especially when you get into the little bit higher end stuff. Right. Uh, a lot of times they wear those being inside or outside or oriented this way. Right. Sometimes they've designed it in a particular way where, oh, yeah, the, the tweeter is offset against the woofer or vice versa right. to do that. Most they've of done the actual physical phase relationship yeah, yeah. stuff in the way they like, built the cabinet. Like the new speakers I just got this week, and they're amazing, but a company called ATC, um, which, you know, I, just about the best speaker manufacturer in the world. But their guidance is to orient their height based on the mid-range driver. And uh, yeah, like yeah. you, we, we come from a lot of the same time. Like, no, you orient ear towards tweeter. That's just the way God intended it. <laughs> it's where it's always been. But their guidance is very specific to, yeah. on theirs to, um, to base it on the mid-range driver. So for me, that's a difference of like this. So the tweeters are actually above my head, which again, just visually is freaking me out a little because I've always been yeah. aligned by tweeter. <laughs> and do the tweeters literally shoot over your head or are they angled down a little? Or yeah, well, the, they think they ATCs have a fairly wide sweet spot on okay. them, and but they've kind of oriented them in a way with the expectation that the sa that sound, because of its being a little higher, will arrive closer to time aligned with the mid-range driver. And truth is, I've been going up and down, and they sound pretty damn good either way. But speaking of time aligns, remember the Yuri 813 oh, yeah. time align monitors? That was <laughs> yeah. like revolutionary when they came out. Yeah, but but that's one thing. But check with guidance on that. But that placement in terms of height, but it's stunning the difference of again. And and I've been spending the last two weeks like running analysis, like sweeps. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. So I actually have graphs that are telling me what's going on and a mixing of that in my ears. But it's amazing how much moving your speakers back six inches can completely transform, you know, the linearity of the low end. So if you were building a home studio in a 10 by 12 bedroom made out of sheetrock with yep. no acoustic treatment yet, what would you reflexively offer up as 500 to $1,000 pair of monitors for people who aren't you? For people who aren't me. Yeah. Um, Not audio freaks. Well, one thing is look around on the used market. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're in a big enough town or something where you can look around the used market. Because, and it's really tough. The one thing I like about ATC, which are 
stupidly expensive. It's like, okay, nice new car or ATC speakers. Wow. Um, but, um, uh, but so many of the different lines are, some of them personally are, are really good and others are like, how can the same company have made that garbage? Right. And this one and room interaction is a big one. So in your perfect case scenario is like, hey, I've got a buddy who's, who's selling some stuff. Hey, can we bring them over and try them in, in my room? That's sort of the best way to go. Um, but you know, so but, don't buy it because it's got a yellow speaker cone. It looks cool and you see it in pictures all the time yes, in audio but, magazines. But KRK is a perfect right. example. I've got KRK V8 Mark IIs. Okay. I've got, you can actually see them on that one of the pictures you've posted. I've got them in somewhere else now, but... Um, I think they're they're like two hundred and fifty bucks on the used market or less, and yeah. and in the right room they're outstanding. Are they in this shot? Uh, yeah, sitting on top of the big ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're there. Yellow yellow speaker cones. Yeah, but KRK Good makes, branding. But KRK makes other speakers I think sound like garbage, and you know, th these KRKs in some rooms I've tried them on. If somebody told me they were seven thousand dollars speakers, I'd believe it in a second. Wow. And other rooms are like, eh, there's not that great. Um, there's a new company called Kali, which is doing some. I've worked in a couple of rooms that have those. How and those, do you spell it? K A L I. Okay. Um, and that's a brand that's um, uh, pretty good. The JBL made a released a series a while back. Right. And uh, I mean, LS three three hundred five. Their first generation was incredible. Yeah, I heard them in the JBL listening room in Northridge. Yeah. Blown away because the last time I was serious about JBLs, they were making 4311s in 1975 mm -hmm. yeah. or something. And they were really mid range. They were a good workhorse. Yeah. They preceded the NS10 as the classic everybody's yeah. got yeah. a pair. And then I heard these things. They were like a, a five, they had a five inch and a seven inch version of them. Yeah, and they like had like a little plastic horn in the top yeah. of them. I, I, I literally said, turn off the music, you guys. This is like a home run. They're like, really? You yeah. like it? We said, yeah, they sound amazing. They were not expensive. And then they did the V2, which was like a big downgrade from that. Like Whoa. I always get so nervous when somebody, especially these, these companies who put something good at a great price point. Yeah. And uh, I wish I could remember exactly what they're calling it. But it's JBL's kind of prosumer range. Yeah. But the first generations are great. I actually put a bunch of my consulting clients like, here, get these, get these. Yeah. And then And they weren't much money. No. I they mean, were like remarkably cheaper. Yeah. So work. like for like the the version with like an eight inch driver was like four hundred bucks, yeah. under five hundred. And you know, even some of my clients where I work remotely, I was like, if we're gonna work in your studio for this part of it, you need to get something else in here. So here buy these. You know, that's what I had I had Guar put that in their studio when I was working with them. But um, I'm gonna Google it really quick. But then they did the next the the V2s and like I didn't JBL really JBL studio monitors. Yeah, I didn't like the the new ones and now they're on V3, which I haven't heard at all. But the first generation, you know, you can find those, especially like the the, the eight inch driver version are really good. It might be the LS something. Or... I'm not seeing it, but why <laughs> I am seeing stuff that I haven't seen. A... <laughs> Uh, JBL L52, uh, basically like first cousin to the 4311s. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, yeah, not anyway. going to geek out on that yeah. stuff. But <laughs> I'll go home tonight. Some people look at porn. I look at speakers. <laughs> <laughs> and to some of people, it's the same thing. Right. But the one thing that I will say is, and this is kind of weird, but um, it's weird how personal speaker choice is. Yeah. In ways that it shouldn't be. 
I mean, because you should think, you know, especially when you're kind of professional, okay, this is telling me what I need to know. This feels linear in the low end. I'm getting the detail, stereo enriching. But there are speakers, and I won't bother sort of bashing brands, but like there's one brand that's like really popular and producers, engineers that make records, like I really admire them. Like, you work on those? How? Like, and I'll work on them for like 10 minutes and like, this just has to go. We need to get these off of the console bridge. And it's not and a matter of else. personal taste? No, it is a matter of personal taste. It's but just, I'm but it's weird. It works for them. Yeah, okay. and and there, yeah, there are like literally, and where I, uh, I had a, a friend of mine is one of the top kind of guys for mixing video game music and some film scores and stuff, and we were building out his new studio, and I was kind of helping him with that, and he pretty much had their budget wasn't an issue. Yeah. It was just like we're putting in the absolute best speakers we can here. And so, you know, and when, you know, when you're, you know, a bunch of zeros after it, all the companies are very happy. Yes, we'll happily drive over and bring these speakers to your studio so you can play with them. So all all the big brands and there were some things where it was like we'd put them on and going, wow, these are like twelve thousand dollars and I wouldn't keep them if the company gave them to me. Wow. And and then there's other things where, again, you'll there'll be a speaker that's like eight hundred bucks like. Oh, I could work on this all day. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So it's a speaker choice is a really weird thing. So, you know, I, I wish there was an easy. You know, like if you said, "Hey, what's a good mic for recording guitars right. you know, for beginners?" Like, get a fifty-seven and shut up. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, but, let me take a, a step further, which is a lot of people live in apartments mm-hmm. and they can't piss off their neighbor. Yep. Especially a lot of a lot of people in our world yeah. tend to work from like 8 p.m. until midnight because yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the family's absolutely. going to bed yeah. and this is when you get your alone time to go be a, a studio person. Um, mixing on headphones, mm-hmm. something that I never did back yep. when I was a professional, back in the old days. Uh, but as I mentioned to you a couple of years ago, right before COVID, I put Logic on this laptop just to play around yeah. with it because mm-hmm. I'd never worked on, yep. on a DAW in my life. And eventually, I got uh, Waves NX. Um, here I can tell you. I think I wrote uh, the Ocean Way Room yep. Simulator. <laughs> yep. And I, I did it because it's like okay, it's like thirty-ish dollars yep. if it sucks. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to cry about it. I was really impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use like two hundred fifty dollars headphones. I think they're Audio Technica MX fifties. Mm-hmm. They were on the list of recommended headphones yep. to use with it. It's mind blowingly. You know, you turn your head to the left. You mm-hmm. turn your. But when you really know, being a retired engineer, look. When you sit at a console and you look down at the faders, it sounds differently than when mm-hmm. you're looking yeah. at the monitors. Yep. People don't think about that until you do it for a living. Mm-hmm. Wearing the AT, whatever fifties, and using that um, room simulator, it's mind-blowingly realistic, mm-hmm. and it makes it harder to mix because you've got the uh-huh. interaction of the room. Yeah. And but the end product sounds good because you worked hard to make mm-hmm. the mix work yep. like you're in an actual control room. How do you feel about mixing on headphones in general? Have you ever done it? Would you do it? Which headphones would you use? Yeah. So, um uh I I think you make music any way you can make music. 
Okay. So like uh, that same thing, you know, you live in an apartment and you work from eight to midnight or or you live in a house and, you know, you your kids are trying to get to sleep. There's plenty of reasons why you can't or, you know, you've negotiated with the rest of the family that you get this broom closet <laughs> to do your music. And there's no speakers under in the, the stairs for you, Harry Potter. Yeah. And there's no speakers in the world that are going to make that broom closet sound good. Right. So <laughs> so in the in the modern world, it's totally rational and realistic to need to rely on headphones a bunch um and it's totally feasible and totally doable and what made me even more of a convert again and i i prefer working on speakers i mean it, it works for me also i just don't want these things on my head yeah. you know necessarily for 10 hours a day seven days a week or something like that um but you know i'm i'm over in in italy a lot and i don't have my own studio built up there Really? And uh, I'm shocked. Yeah, not not, not yet. Wow. Um, but but I've got studios I can work out of. But you know, but there's still some stuff you got to get done. And so, I I have a really good set. Um, I think they're called Shure 1840s. Okay. So, but Headphones. they're yeah, they're yeah. not esoteric. They're five or six hundred dollars. They're okay. not the three thousand dollars or anything. But um, you know, and I'm like, well, I got to try this out. And uh, so I doing some work for a client who I've done a bunch of stuff before and you know it's it's great work and you know, I like the client a bunch but he's pretty darn picky yeah you know so I'm usually getting these revision notes about this and the vocal this and blah 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 and like all right all right you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and I'm like well I'm gonna do this on headphones and I'm just gonna send it off and see how it goes and I did the whole mix on headphones, sent it off, didn't mention anything yeah. to him. He's like, this is great. Fantastic. I love it. Listen to the car everywhere. It's perfect. It's amazing. Wow. He said, but, you know, on, at the very end, there's a second harmony vocal. Could that be a little more prominent? Done. No problem. And I'm like, okay. So I had mixed the other stuff that we had all the revisions in my full blown out studio and everything. So yeah. I realized it can absolutely happen. So. My whole thing, I I can't speak against them at all, like in terms of that Waves program or Slate's got a whole program. Which I've heard great things virtual about. Virtual things. Um, I mean, I'm curious about those. I'll try try anything, but I don't think you need any of that stuff. Right. Because for me, the reality is get a good set of headphones. Um, get to know them. Get to know them. That's exactly correct. And yeah. like I, when I'm working on headphones, uh, there's no part of me that going, oh, God, I wish I had some weird phase stuff going on between to try and fool me that I'm sitting in front of speakers. I don't really care. I care that, oh, yeah, I'm listening to this. Yep. Relationship to things I know. I know how bright my guitar is. I know how forward the vocal feels compared to the kick drum and the bass. So I, I, there's no part of me that feels that I'm missing any of those things. Again, I don't want to dismiss them because I haven't used them. The difference that I found mm -hmm. was in the bottom end. When you're listening, um, whatever, I can't remember, uh, MX-50s, I think is yep. what I've got mm -hmm. from Audio-Technica. And I was mixing, doing a mix of the Eagles, Take It Easy. I've got a, mm -hmm. a, a session of that. And uh, the bottom end, because it's so close to your head, it's right there, yep. uh, that it sounds better than it should. And it wasn't accurate when I listened to it in the car the mm -hmm. next day. Yeah. It wasn't even close. So then I went back and did another mix from scratch using the room simulator. Mm -hmm. And I realized, wow, this sounds so much like a real control yep. room. And you can 
kind of feel the bass even though you're in headphones. And so yeah. for that reason alone, I found it to be a very practical tool. As far as getting delays right and reverb tails mm -hmm. and stuff, yeah. better without. Yeah. Because you don't have the interaction yeah. of the room. Yeah. So you really hear. It's like at a, a yeah. microscopic and, level. You know, the and box. one thing that a lot of people can do is sort of, they work, what, at 8 to midnight, you know, yeah. those kind of things, is one of the things you can get it pretty darn close. Um, and, you know, and then the next day, you know, especially if you're not on a label deadline or attack, right. like you got to get this yeah, listing in by night. Wait for the kids to go to school and your wife yeah. to Boom. drive them there. Because a lot of times it up. <laughs> you can go and even crank it up. Because a lot of times I even like different scenario, but I'm working like on an S10s or something mixing. Yeah. And then I'm going to go, okay, put it up on the big speakers. Like even just for like tense. Ah, okay. That's what's going on. I got to fix that. Yeah. So that's, and one of the things too, are, you know, when I do like Atmos stuff, you know, I'll I'll build the Atmos on headphones and then just go into, a, you know, a big Atmos room and just check everything. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm tweak that a little bit. Okay, good. We need to do a show about Atmos. Not today because it's too big of a subject. Yeah, yeah. But, and, then I'll, um, and I'll get cranky and then, yeah. You know. I, I've got my own opinions. And recently <laughs> I saw somebody that expressed nearly identical opinions. I think I, I know I, the video you're talking about. I, I, I was at um, the Atmos demo when they rolled it out in L.A. and they rented the movie theater. And mm -hmm. Giles Martin was there and got up and gave the speech and everything. First couple of songs, it, it was listening to um, Sgt. Pepper. Mm -hmm. uh, in a blacked out movie theater and at first it's like yeah okay it's surround sound and then by the third or fourth song you felt like paul's fingers were six inches in front of your nose as he's <laughs> playing bass you could literally like hear the fingerprints <laughs> on the strings uh so it was impressive in a technical way but there were things about it that i didn't love but yeah. that's a whole other show yeah um <laughs> let's see Boy, we've covered a lot of this. Well, we stuff had about already. 500 questions come in, too. In case yeah, so wanna... let's do questions because, yeah, we got a half an hour. Let's do questions. Hello, everybody in the chat room. Okay, so if you want us to take your question, we will do our best to get as many as we possibly mm -hmm. can. Please type the word question in all caps so it makes it easy to go, oh, there's a question. Do music libraries like recordings in surround sound? Um, I, you're much more tapped into that, but I, I haven't been seeing those requests. For the most part, it seems that most of the time, people want control of that at the dub stage. Yeah, but they would most like even like at most like you know the top music mixers for scores aren't delivering. They might deliver in surround, but not Atmos. And especially if you have stems, it's usually the right. dub stage wants that control. And now you can create AI stems using AI, mm -hmm. which I've seen some really impressive demonstrations. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the answer to that, Stu, is I have not heard one person from, and I know a lot of library people, I've not had one person even say surround or Atmos. Mm -hmm. Not once in all these years to me. So I can't imagine. <laughs> um all right. Uh, no questions coming or, in with the word question in front of them. Oh, they, they have to have the word question. Well, I just, oh, they, I there they, is a little okay. delay going up. Um, oh, yeah. I should have included your bio at the top of the show. Sorry, I didn't do that. Da -da -da. Yeah. Well, by now we probably have questions at the bottom. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there we go. Are you familiar with Stephen Slate? That's that's one I talked about. Right. I'm very familiar with it. I haven't used it yet. 
And uh, oh, did the most of this is more important stuff. The did dulcimer. the mountain dulcimer? <laughs> um, some of them did, some of them didn't. One got repaired. So, yeah. so it was a mix of loss, survival, and uh, a good uh, luthier being able to repair one of them. Oh, question subwoofer needed for five or six inch monitors, yes or no? That's a really, really good question. Um, I'm curious to see what you're going to say. Uh, Yes, but you want a subwoofer on a switch, on a foot switch. Right. Um, most subwoofers will let you put it on a foot switch. Um, you need to be really careful because, yeah, something five or six, there's deep sub stuff that's just not being represented. So, But you need to be really careful with placement and how you integrate the subwoofer. You can't just drop it in and go, hey, it's done. Da -da -da. I, I've seen people have subs underneath the table all the way to the right side up against mm -hmm. a wall. And yeah. I guess, okay, so what does it take? Like an E note on a base is a 33-foot <laughs> wave or something like that. It takes a really long time to develop. So placement is not specific like you would get with very directional yeah. high-end stuff. But what is your opinion on placement of subwoofers do you go in a perfect world do you go center of your monitors you general well you generally don't want to be center of your monitors because that makes you center of the room you, uh, the general guidance is a little bit offset okay so most most part your subs are dealing with 80 Hertz down right which are very omnidirectional so they're not going to locate as well so you've got a little more play you know, some of the traditional theory is if you drop it right in the center there is more likely to be interaction left and right so if you, you have mean it, acoustic interaction from the walls the walls so yeah. you can get so, cancellation so if you have it offset a little bit that's going to ah, be a little bit more diverse that's, but also new today Yay. but also just in terms of aligning directly with your speakers or as a little far bit as back, the, the frontal plane inverted yes okay and potentially inverting the phase on them right so you know I, i'm not discouraging i mean, people should get into it and geek around but don't, just don't go oh the subwoofer is there okay it's done but try moving it forward, moving it back over onto the sides because it will change it. And generally what I'm looking for, whether it's my own room I'm putting together or consulting with somebody is, you know, you kind of want to sneak as little in as you can. Like if, if your subwoofer is fun, it's probably not helping you. It's one of those things where you want to sneak it in and go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hearing that low sub stuff, the bottom of that kick drum, that, you know, low rumble of a synth bass. Yeah. But if, you're, if your subs are like, oh, yeah, baby, like you, you want that for an action movie or something like that. Right. But where, you're doing, but where you're doing work, you don't, you just want, okay, here's enough to uh, represent a little of what's there. How do um, you know? And then you would have to remain consistent with how much of the sub you're bringing into the monitor mix yeah. from project to project because we always want home base, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, our yeah. baseline. Yeah. So, so what I, what I, I think the best scenarios are you've got the subwoofer and with a lot of them you you basically have output of your monitor controller or whatever or your mm -hmm. DAW uh, interface going into the sub and then the sub spits out to your main left and right. So they're all on the same volume control which is really important because you don't want that balance changing. Yeah. And again I just love having uh, uh, it on a foot switch to be able to turn it off to hear okay then what people are gonna have but also if you have a smaller room and other stuff you're probably better off trying to do most of your work like with just your five or your six inch speakers and then um and then turn it on just to see what's going on down there because um, brad gray is actually kind of addressing this my my low end um seems to be doing some cancellation 
monitors are on stands close to a wall with some dampening materials behind them. I'm three feet away, but on other speakers, the bass seems heavy. So that relates to what you were talking about, the subs, with canceling its own thing because of the positioning of it and, yeah, and but the reflections. Also, I mean, one thing traditionally, again, the best thing you can do is experiment with stuff. But as you move speakers closer to a back wall, yeah. they're going to create more low-frequency energy. Yeah. And part of that, too, is it's not like, oh, it's now representing it better. With all this stuff, it's like creating these increases or decreases in energy. Um, well, how do you know? Uh, I'm asking a question on their yep. behalf. How do you know where the baseline is? Because, yep. yes, you can make it sound sexy or, or less sexy yep. by where you do it. Like I, uh, Tannoy gave me some um, uh, near-field monitors in, like, 1984. Yeah. They sounded so pretty. Yep. But you couldn't make a record on them because yeah. they just sounded too good. So there's a big thing that I'm a huge advocate of um, – is what I call having a North Star. Yeah. For me, and I'm sure I've talked about it before, but there's a song called Ahead by a Century by a Canadian group called The Tragically Hip. Right. I remember this. Like, like that is like tattooed on my heart. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's a good thing that I love the song and I love the band, but I know exactly when the bass comes in on that, I know exactly how low it's supposed to go. I know exactly where those that voice is in relationship to the guitars. I understand exactly how bright those symbols should feel. Because yeah. I've listened to it in studios all over the world for decades now. And so when I when I try on a new set of headphones or try speakers or try speaker placement, you know, I'm putting that on and going, okay, yes, I know exactly where everything is supposed to be. So if that record sounds thin on the bottom, yeah. that record should not sound thin on the bottom. Like, okay, my speaker placement of these speakers aren't doing the low end justice. Or if that record sounds darker than I want or brighter and edgier. Okay, now I know this is microphones or mic placement. And, you know, again, I, I do a lot of, you know, objective testing. You know, I'm running, I'm running, you know, tone sweeps and all of that, which is very, it can help you work faster Yeah. Uh, to get, to solve big problems. But reality is, again, invite a friend over, you know, hey, got some good craft beer. Do you want to come over and share it with me? Great. I'd love to. While you're here, you know, and I don't like beer, so I don't know why I use that example. But anyway, but it's the thing in your position, like if you have a buddy and like a little blue tape, like if you go to my new studio now, there's blue tape all over the walls and the floor of measuring things out. But that kind of thing, go, okay, cool. All right, pull those speakers back six inches. Wow, the bass just got ridiculous there. Here, pull them back. Yeah. Here, push them forward a little bit. And just being able to do that, even without the objective analysis tools, you can go, oh, man, the base of my favorite records feels about right here. And, oh, it doesn't sound harsher. Harsher, The imaging is good. Because literally, again, this much, yeah. can, especially in a smaller room. And, like, one thing I'm wrestling with, too, is, you know, even in my new room, is there's a spot where I really want the listening position to be. But it's not going to be there. Just because the room interaction is just you know me moving forward 10 inches yeah makes a huge difference in terms everybody of my listening position get, everybody who's got a home studio do this when we finish the show tonight sit there put your elbows cross your arms put your elbows down lean in lean back look up at the ceiling mm -hmm. look down at your wrist and you will be shocked at how much difference there is all right a couple new questions uh hey ronan thanks for all your great advice can you recommend a great youtube channel focused on mixing and production of pop music 
That's from Smudgy. Smudgy. Hey, Smudgy. Um, I I don't, honestly. I haven't been keeping up. So, I uh, yes, I, I wish there was a good answer to that, but I don't have one. Um, but the one right below it from Brian. Okay. Do you hi. compare your mix with reference music from other artists often or not? You just started talking about it while I was typing. <laughs> Sorry, slow typist. But, um, but the one thing I'll say That's is funny. absolutely. Um, but it depends. I mean, there's some days where I, I, I walk into the studio, I fire things up, and I'm like, I'm a badass. <laughs> I'm really good at this. I mean, uh, you know, but I don't mean that in a cocky way, but I mean, I've been doing yeah. this for a long time. I'm good at what I do. And I feel really confident, so I'll mix away, and that's all good. There's other days where I walk into the studio and go, I'm a fraud. God, I hope nobody Imposter figures out. Imposter syndrome. Um, but also where I'm feeling really unsure about myself. Like, man, am, am I being ridiculous with the low end? You know, or... There's that. Um, I don't think a lot of people who aren't studio professionals really understand how important getting low end right. Kick and bass relationships. Mm -hmm. I hear yep. so many pop records today that just don't get it right. Yep. They'll put 10 layers of whatever kick drum in there, you know, 808s probably, um, and yet they don't get the relationship yep. between. So I don't. Yeah. But, but we're just fanatical old guys. Exactly. But the way the way that I kind of work, I mix back into my – I work in Pro Tools. Yeah. And it's, but this would be the same with Logic or Studio One. I mix back into the session into a new stereo track. Okay. And that's whether I'm working completely in the box or on an analog console. And why do you do that? And so one is I've got the mix right in there with the session. Okay. There's two things. Uh. One, I've got it right in there with the session. Uh, two, I can also go in and, and punch mix changes like – this is perfect, except that bridge. I turn, I turn the tambourine down too much. Why wouldn't you just automate? Well, no, but like even, um, but I could. But I again, I, I print back in real time, especially if okay. the hard. So, where so like if I go, oh man, on the bridge, the tambourine got turned down too much. Yeah. Let me turn it back up. I can just go in and punch the bridge. You know, so in 30 seconds, good. Okay, that's consolidate. So it's done. I've never, and I'm sure you're not the only guy that does that, but um, that's cool. But here's the other thing. I can pull other mixes I know really well into the session. Ah. So, because, you know, all my tracks are going out wherever they go out, right. individual tracks, and then back in, and then my mix is going out. That's my main stereo out to my monitors. Right. I can pull in on another track some other mixes I love to from my favorite artists. And it's amazing, too, because one thing, again, we humans are incredible. We can acclimate. You know, people who live in North Alaska can get used to summer being cold or, right. you know, frigid or hot temperatures or people in prison camps kind of get used to. Well, this is what life is. I mean, it's amazing. And so we acclimate. My speakers gave me Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> exactly. But it's that thing where if we're mixing something all day and we're just thinking, oh, God, this is amazing. You know, where am I going to put the Grammy Award for this? <laughs> um but maybe we're completely off, but we will acclimate to stuff. Right. And it's amazing how much, like if I've been slaving away on a difficult mix all day, like and I might think it sounds great. And then I'll go over, literally spend five seconds listening to another mix I know really well going, I'm not even close. Because mine, because I've acclimated, that's become my new normal. Right. And in five seconds of going listen to another mix, Oh, my high end is way off, or my high end is too bright, or whatever. I'm a failure. Yes, yeah. but it's amazing how again I've got a few mixes that I know really well, and I can just go over and like 
four seconds of that one, four seconds of that one, four seconds. Right. Okay, that's where I am. Steely okay. Dan Asia, that's my North Star. Yeah. And so it's amazing. So I'm a lot of times I'm not you know, going back to make sure my mix is like somebody else's, but to really understand where I am. But also true is there are times where I am, you know, I know that an artist or label like is chasing somebody else's record. So I want right. to make sure that, oh, yeah, my drums are as big or. Sorry. Yeah. There was a question before. Um, oh, uh, this is from Piano Guitar Voice. Ronan, do you know that tune track? The books. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, the tune track just released Precision Bass Software. I have it. And I have to say, oh my, and what do you think of the real precision bass? I am curious, and I do have to give books away in a minute. Okay. What, what do you think about P basses? Lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's easy. You plug them, you even plug them into a direct DI, like a good quality DI. And like, well, that's usable. Let's, let's get to mixing this record. I prefer jazz basses. I, I, don't, ha I don't have, that's one thing I don't have a strong dogmatic yeah. <laughs> thing on, but I... There are a couple of things in my life as back when I was still an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Yuri or uh, LA threes. Everybody mm -hmm. laughed at me. They're too simple. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, any idiot can operate it. Yes, and they sound great, uh -huh. which is more important. Um, and, and I always kept a jazz bass every yep. studio I worked at because I just thought they sounded better than yep. a P bass, and yep. nobody ever agreed with me. Yeah. And if you didn't catch what he said, he talked about LA three, which is the solid state version of the LA two A. Right. Um, there are lots of plugin emulations, but also different ones. They'll call them opto. Right. And again, I love them. I've got plugins and hardware. And even when I buy new compressors, I'm like, ooh, let's try this new opto. Yeah. Uh, and that the opto just opto electrical. It just is how the compression is done technically but they're so great it's like here's a knob for more compression or less compression and here's, here's the, the output it's stunning amazing on bass great on vocals i use them all acoustic the guitars time. lead guitars everything yeah and, we, and we, all my friends back in the 70s and 80s okay. laughed at me and now I they're like them. thousands of dollars and that would probably be one of the like if i had to get rid of my bunch of hardware that'd be one of the things i, I own a couple different ones yeah that i would keep and won't get too techy but they basically have variable release time so it's hard they sound pretty smooth no matter what you do yeah um so I, again i love them but even if you don't have the hardware oh, I'm so when you're looking at you love them. yeah look at look at your plug-in options and you'll see them called opto compressors i've got um the cla the wave clas yep. and yeah. they sound 98% as good and pretty true reproduction of yeah. of the hardware yeah. version yeah his op the the opto yeah, um, just plug spend in thirty five bucks, yeah. get it, you'll be happy. Yeah, <laughs> or send it to a send it back to me in a box, and I'll refund your money. <laughs> uh, all right, let's give away a couple of books, and we'll get in a couple more questions. So, how we're going to do this? And don't jump the gun because first person never wins because nobody's going to do it now. You're going to type in a plus one, and then Liz, who's sitting, I don't know, fifty feet away in the conference room, or no, she's not in the conference room anymore. Liz has moved offices. She's going to go like this and go bink and pick out a person, and then we are going to send a copy of "Hey, That's My Song" by Tracy and Vance Marino. I think I'm in that book. Yeah, Vance and Tracy are amazing. They're such cool people, and they are so. Success, like successful, like they're just so good at what they do. They yeah. work hard. Yeah, they 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 work hard. They're they really smart. Yeah, yeah. No, that's they're they're. Um, we have this we have this book at home. They're amazing people to learn from. Anyway, uh, okay, one, two, three, go.
<laughs> Somebody win the book. It's really it's <clears throat> unbelievably comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah, and if you ever get a chance to hear them speak at a conference like the rally or anything, go because they're really, really cool people and yeah, and very, very informed. And really friggin' tall. They're well, not to you. <laughs> You're the only guy. <laughs> they are like pretty tall people, yeah. Yeah, they're like uh six three ish. I'm looking to see if I can find you, but um I on the other hand don't think I'm in here. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> That's okay, Tracy Advance. Doesn't bother me, not even a little bit. <laughs> Bought the book, The Road Rally. Good. Uh, it is an incredibly comprehensive book, as is the next one that I'm going to give away. <laughs> Look at those plus ones rolling in. There you go. Okay, and Liz will be typing in the winner here shortly. <clears throat> and then we'll do the next drawing, take a couple more questions. That's oh, cool. I'm seeing some names in the chat room that I've never seen before. Nelson Ortiz, you are the big winner. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Congratulations, Nelson. Uh, send an email to Liz. L-I-Z at taxi.com and give her your address and we will get this book sent out to you. You should have it in your hands in like a week. All right. And the next one, ladies and gentlemen, um, writing production music for TV by Steve Barden. Another classic, a great book, unbelievably comprehensive. And I love this picture of Steve. He's been using it for like 10 years or more on everything. He looks so serious and badass. One of the sweetest, nicest guys you'll ever meet. <laughs> See, that's what he looks like in real life right there. <laughs> anyway, I love this book. I really, I love it. That's all I can tell you. So, all right, next book. Uh, are you ready? Um, type, let's do plus two this time. Let's <laughs> mix it up. Feeling dangerous. All right, one, two, three, go. I feel like we need game show music. I was just saying the same. Ding, 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 ding. Now ding, we have ding, to pay royalties, ding, damn ding, it. Ding, 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 ding. I, think, I, I changed it up a little bit. Ding, 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 Oh, now you sound like, uh, who was the guy, a dink, a dink, a do, uh, Jimmy? Ding, 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 Jimmy Durante. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, you're just not as old to, as me, and you know Jimmy Durante. That's impressive. I stopped before you'd have to pay any royalties. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, while you guys are voting, I want to plug something. Yes, I got free product, and I'm going to plug it on the show. Where did I put it? Um, <laughs> all right. One of our members um, named Adam Monacherry. Um, from Wayne, Nebraska, he and his wife started a popcorn company out of their house and it's taken off and become quite successful. And a few times a year, they send us a box, like a two foot by two foot box filled with flavored popcorn. This is my favorite popcorn I've ever eaten in my life. Loaded baked potato. Um, <laughs> How could one not? Yeah, it's so good. So I just want to say, um, where is it? Uh, where's the website? 
Aquapop.com, I believe, is the website. Seriously, check this out. Order some of their popcorn and you will see why I love it. I'm not just plugging it because Adam so nicely sends us free popcorn a couple times a year. And our winner for Steve Barton's wonderful book is none other than Steve no, LaLosa. No, what? Peter. I mean, Peter. How do you say that name? Whoops. Peter L. Peter Liosa? I'm hoping. Anyway, Peter, congratulations. You will love this book. Um, send an email to lizataxi.com. Give her your phone number, your address, and your email, and we will send you out a copy of this book. Congratulations to both winners, and congratulations to um, Adam and his wife at Aquapop for making incredibly good popcorn that I'm plugging because they send me free stuff. But if it wasn't so good, <laughs> I wouldn't plug it, nor would I eat it. I would just politely give it to the squirrels in my backyard. <laughs> it really is that good. And I don't even, I'm not like a big popcorn lover, and I love it. All right, a couple more questions, and I've got to go to a wedding in yeah. seven minutes. I'm already yeah. late. All right, make them good questions. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's a question for Ronan. What do you think of the Townsend Sphere microphone modeling system? Okay. Um, it did win a TAC award or Tech Award. Tech Award. Yeah. And gets great reviews on Sweetwater. What do you think of the Luna Dawn? Well, let's just stick with the uh, the first one, the Sphere. Yeah. So, Townsend Sphere microphone, modeling microphone. Um, so um, I just don't want to talk in this about this one in particular. Okay. But I'm generally not drawn to modeling, just as a general thing. Um, I, I don't think you're thin enough for modeling, personally. Tall, I've, yes. I've been trying to get I'm working on it a little bit, but... <laughs> But in terms of kind of there's microphone modelers and there's like different amp modelers and I'm generally more of a fan of getting a good mic that kind of does its thing. Yeah. You know, getting a guitar amp that does its thing because all those things are really flexible. Like if you've got a Shure SM57 and a good large diaphragm conden condenser. You can record anything. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you can do so much with you know, just mic placement and changing how hard you drive the preamp and things. So there's not a part of me that kind of gets compelled to go, oh, I need to be able to just scroll through this mic, this mic, this mic. Um, and so, and also part of it too, is there's no way that these modeling systems, you know, they might create, oh, that's a sound that I like and works in my production. Yeah. But they can't account for off axis response. They can't account for- The room. The room for proximity effect. There's yeah. all those kinds of things. So again, I don't say any of that with personal use of that product, but there's not a part of me that's compelled to go, oh, I need to have all of these things. And I came up with a great thing for amp modelers today. We were having a discussion earlier. I was talking to Tom, who's our head of A&R on staff, and he's a guitar player and a bass player and, and works in a couple of live bands. And I said, you know, bands no longer bring amps to gigs. They'll bring a modeler and just mm -hmm. run through the PA, but they want to have the, the wall of amps behind them. So mm -hmm. I came up with the idea of inflatable amps. <laughs> Yeah. That way you don't have to bust your ass carrying it to the gig. You just blow them up. But look yeah. at my marshals. <laughs> All right, one more question. Then I gotta go to a wedding. Okay. Yeah, Libby, so, I'm going to a wedding. And Pat, <laughs> yeah, and Pat Wara is saying the mic sounds fantastic on its own, and they do account for that. There's no way you can really account for off-axis response. 
Here's but, a question from Sam Warren. Oh, Sam's uh, awesome. Probably too long for the end, but when recording bass, do you always record DI in addition to the mic signal? Um, oh boy, I, I, yeah. We so, could th you and I could do 90 minutes. But I on could this. go really quick. Yeah. I, it's more common for me to take only a DI. Right. Sometimes only an amp too, but. I'm a huge fan of a microphone on a guitar amp, huge fan, but bass with a decent quality DI and something like radial, it doesn't have to be esoteric, right. but a good bass in. And again, I'm not a fan of amp modeling for guitars, but some of the amp modelers for bass are really good and I'll use them. What is quite your a bit. favorite DI? I mean, I've, I've got a weird esoteric collection. Okay. But the one. What about affordable stuff? <laughs> but do you have one? Like for affordable, like, hey, I'm in the one $200 ballpark. Yeah. I think Radial is a great company. Okay. Their stuff is super solid. I, I use a lot um, something from a company called A Designs. They've got one called the Ready. Yeah. Which uh, is a tube DI, which Ooh. is five or 600 bucks kind of range. Um, but like those, those I use a whole bunch, but actually I also love combining many times like a Sansamp bass driver. Yeah. I don't like that on its own, but I'll actually split the signal off and take something like a clean radial. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll take something clean, like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I did record I did a little while ago, but this band Guar will take like a clean, it's been radial DIs for all of those for just a very clean articulate sound. Yeah. And then something else like overdriving you know a the output of a vintage bass head or something like that so we've got the clarity and detail with the good clean one and then, and then just an over yeah. the top and the one perk about have if you end up doing these things where that never goes out to a, an amp and i love certain certain sound bass sounds amp on a uh, mic on an amp is like you're not going to do better yeah but for lots of the other ones if you combine these like splitting off to a bass driver and a clean di or even say doubling, like molting a track and sending it out to a bass amp modeler. Yeah. You can have all that flexibility without the phase issues you have to deal with right. if you're using a regular DI and, and making amps. Yeah. yeah, which is, that's what I was gonna say. I, I personally always end up using the DI. Mm -hmm. um, at one point in my life, I worked in a studio for five years that had one of Jerry Garcia's old Ampeg bass mm -hmm. amps. Yeah. Bought it in an auction somewhere. Sounded great. But it didn't sound great combining it with the DI because mm -hmm. you had phase issues. Yeah. And trying the amp versus the DI, even though it was Jerry Garcia's Ampeg yeah. bass amp, yeah. DI but always sounded better. And then on the short 20 seconds, there are certain players where what they do with the amp is part of the, you know, yeah. motorhead. Right. You know, that's about the amp. You, just, you think of a guy like Les Claypool from Primus, where that's super juiced up top of it. So you need to make sure that if if the amp sound is truly a part of the identity of the artist that you make sure to capture that because a lot of times you can't recreate that with options after the fact truer words never spoken um you guys uh it was great seeing you again today i will be back next week with another live episode with bobby borg none other than bobby the borg and we're going to talk about some musician finance stuff a topic i don't believe we have ever done on taxi tv so very excited about that ronan great to see you awesome. man i am so glad you didn't get squished me too that's, um, that's kind of a positive yeah. yeah uh for those of you who weren't around the early part of the show go back and watch it to see the before and after shots of ronan and liz's house slash studio um that got wiped out by a 160 foot tree and uh <laughs> 
four minutes earlier, he was sitting right where that tree hit. Anyway, <laughs> great to see you. Um, Absolutely. Don't forget to write in your book, Keep November 2nd through the 5th Open. The Road Rally, coming right up. I will. Ne as long as you invite me, I will never miss it. You're it's, already invited. I travel back from other parts of the world to be at it. It's, it's well, the one thing that I will not miss every year. Thank you. I, I love having you. And, you know, somebody who, who imitates a fair amount of things that Taxi does, a, a little competitor, um, just held his own small event on Century Boulevard. Uh, <laughs> and he's like this revelation of like, it was so cool having a hundred people in a room together from all these different states, the the vibe and the, and the, the love and the hugs and everything. It's like, dude, we invented that 20, <laughs> 27 years ago. We invented love at the Road Rally. <laughs> anyway, and you are part of that, my friend. Awesome. It's people feel like, your family because they come good. and they see you good 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 year. so thank you again see you guys next week for another exciting episode <laughs> of taxi oh don't forget hit the subscribe button if you're not a subscriber hit give us a thumbs up so that youtube's algorithm absolutely loves us and i will see you next week bye bye. Yeah, thanks everybody Yeah.